<laughs> I do, I remember it well. Welcome to NoClip, I'm Chad Rillerman. I'm JJ Artemis. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today we're going to be talking about Super Mario Odyssey, uh, which was a game that was released in 2017, October 24th, not that long ago from right fucking now, uh, and it was developed and published, of course, by Nintendo, uh, and was released on the Switch. Uh, also, unsurprisingly, Super Mario Odyssey is a 3D platformer, uh, and fairly close to the collectathon platformers of, of uh, the olden days of platforming. In the long, long ago. Many moons ago. Many moons. <laughs> many, yes, many power moons ago. Uh, nearly every platformer was like this. And that's actually... The first impression that I got from this game uh, was how similar I felt to playing Banjo-Kazooie when I was playing this game. Uh, much less so than the sort of N64 era uh, Mario and like Mario 64, uh, Super Mario Sunshine. Those games that this game I think wants to sort of go back to, I felt less like those than I did like uh, a Banjo-Kazooie game or... Why? Donkey Kong 64, that Why? kind of thing. Give me your pedigree. I'm, I'm really curious about these like fine-grained platformer <laughs> distinctions. Because all of my real experience with Banjo-Kazooie uh, was watching my sister play it, and because uh, I was like a fetus, just like giggling at everything <laughs> that was happening. Yeah. The, well, in the same way, uh, 3D platforms back in the day were great things for like little children to watch because they're all very colorful and wacky. But... The, the key thing is the de-emphasis of the importance of moons. Uh, <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> in, okay, so in Super Mario 64 and Mario Sunshine are kind of the big, the pillars that this game was built on. Mm-hmm. Um, in those games, collecting a, a star or a shine sprite was always a, that was, well, that was the end of the level. That's the first, every review that I've ever seen for this game is the first thing they ever mentioned. They're like, after you pick up a moon, it doesn't kick you back to the beginning of the level. Hoorah! <laughs> and then they go on to complain about the fact that you can find moons just, like, sitting around. Um, which we'll get to. <laughs> but the, uh, in the previous games, in, in those two that I had already mentioned several thousand times now, uh, you would pick up a star, you go back to the beginning, but you picked up the star after completing sort of a, a lo- not a long-term goal, but like a, the, that level's goal. It was like a gauntlet of some kind. Right. Yeah. It, you were put into a level with a discrete challenge to get that object, and then you went back to the beginning, and then you were presented with a new challenge. And the way that Odyssey does it, and the way that uh, those collectathons that I was describing before do it, are they've just sort of scattered things throughout, and this... In this game, we have moons, coins, the other coins. The <laughs> better coins. <laughs> better coins. <laughs> Good, great coins. Okay coins. <laughs> uh, like, throughout the level that you just sort of grab as you see them. And some of them are distinct challenges. Other ones are, like, little secrets. Uh, they're puzzle ones and combat ones. And they all sort of just meld together into, like, the vast collectibles that are in each stage. I really liked this game's take on a solution between, like, 
the tension between having an open world game of any genre, platforming or otherwise, and a discrete linear game. Mm-hmm. Like the in most of the time in lots of open world scenarios, they want you to feel like you can go any direction at any time. So they make things they give you lots of scaling powers, like in Assassin's Creed, you can get up over obstacles really fast. And uh, if you're a god at Mario, you can still do that here, I think. At least by with me messing around with the mechanics, it made it seem like if I was good enough, I could just do anything I wanted forever. Right. <laughs> but uh, in this game, it seems like they struck a really nice balance between allowing you to have these prescripted linear challenges while still making an open world level by having a ton of verticality to everywhere that you are so that... Once you're actually, like, off the ground, normally that means you're starting these, like, linear pathways and challenges and you no longer have the complete freedom to, like, approach any platform from any direction that you want. Right. You can, and there's a few different instances I remember, especially in the sand level, where you can, like, start from different directions while heading toward the same goal. But it's a really cool balance that they struck between doing just like straight up platforming levels where you have to have really tight control over all of the terrain that players have access to while still feeling like you're just in a place and can just kind of go wherever you want and just look over there and see like a, a better coin and be like, oh, I'm really interested in that better coin. I, was, I don't I didn't think I struck on this. The better coins, weirdly motivational for me. Uh, yeah, as Andy will describe <laughs> later, I'm sure, the, the perp coins were my, like, primary driving force in most levels because getting enough moons to progress was always something that was simple enough. Uh, and then the extraneous moons were things that I would basically tell myself, like, oh, I'll come back and grab that. But with the purple coins, they unlock these, like, individual things, and that's kind of how I marked my progress in a level. It's like, how many of those did I get so that I could decorate the odyssey or put on a funny hat mm-hmm. like those are the things that were kind of important for progression because the main game isn't how you say uh challenging uh to circle back around to what chad said initially um i think what makes this more like banjo kazooie is the it's like the streamlined version of like mario 64 which is kind of what Banjo Kazooie set out to do, right? It's it it was more focused and it was more streamlined and like the levels were more tightly designed to like have something valuable anywhere you turned and it was quick to get to each thing and to feel like you were making progress. I really liked the stupid, like, viewfinders that you could throw your hat on for this purpose. I did that once. I was... <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> uh, they, like, I, I really enjoyed, uh, not only because this game is ludicrously beautiful, uh, just throwing my hat under those guys, having them rocket into the sky, and then having... Which seemed like, from, the, from my perspective at the time, like, complete control to set my own goals from an omniscient perspective after that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's way more useful to have that in the game than just, like, a 2D top-down map. I don't know if I even ever used the map after <laughs> I learned it was there. This is going to be, uh, like, a whole thing, uh, because I have nothing... For the first time ever, I have nothing but good things to say about the map. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I traditionally hate maps in all games <laughs> and complain about it pretty vocally whenever there's one that I find particularly egregious. Mm-hmm. Um but in this instance, I really enjoyed the map and didn't really use those. But I can see, depending on your 
sort of flow with this game, uh, those little uh, per- up periscope things could be uh, like a really interesting sort of like diegetic map where yeah. it exists. The, the map in this game is actually diegetic as well. They, <laughs> not like Far Cry 2 levels, but <laughs> it's, you know, it's a physical map. What it gave me was the ability to see the actual platforming challenges in 3D before I arrived there, which a 2D top-down map for most challenges can't actually provide you. Like, I could look at this one pillar out in the middle of nowhere and be like, okay, how do I get there? And then look at the other pieces of the environment from different perspectives and angles before actually tackling it. And I appreciated that. Yeah. Okay, so... The thing that I want to sort of touch on is that both of you have brought up, uh, it comes down to this level design, the way that they uh, created the worlds, uh, or the kingdoms, that you <laughs> travel to uh, in Odyssey. And the the thing, like, you describe it sort of uh, broadly as this open world but linear, like, they, they designed linear paths to areas in, in an uh, open environment. Yeah. Uh, and I think, like, that is what the Mario design, like the 3D Mario game design philosophy always sort of strives to get to. Yeah. There are some areas, particularly in Sunshine, I think that the abstraction that Mario 64 was allowed allowed pretty much every level to land as a, its own sort of environment that has its own challenges. Yeah. Sunshine had a couple of levels that felt like, oh, you're going to the hotel again. I wonder what's there this time. Probably more ghosts. Um <laughs> they just like don't quite get there. Um, in Odyssey, this is like the traditional Mario design, but times ten. Yes. They made all of the levels huge and tall. Yeah, and very tall. And they do a good job of at least spacing that out. Like Cascade Kingdoms sort of introduces you to the concepts that you're going to be dealing with. The uh, Sand Kingdom is a huge open with very little verticality except for the ones that you have to like take special vehicles to get to mm-hmm. and then it all like the extreme opposite of that of course is New Dock City where <laughs> everything is incredibly vertical you're up on the tops of buildings jumping back and forth between them like as someone who uh, has obviously way less involvement in terms of depth with these, but like every human being on Earth has some level of involvement with all of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I went through Sunshine for the podcast, and I went through Super Mario 64 because I'm a human being. Uh, It seemed like in uh, that Sunshine never really got to the same kind of discrepancies of height. Like, I, I remember when I was going through levels in those games... I never felt like I got much more than, like, one or two stories off of the ground of what I was going to do, so there wasn't nearly as, as much layering and differentiation in terms of the past that you can go through. Right. Uh, and especially in Super Mario 64, I felt like the ground was less of its own space with own with its own distinct, like, utilities and platforming challenges than it was just, like, a fail state for the higher-up areas. Like, I remember... Every time that I felt like if I had fallen off somewhere high or hit the ground, my, it, I didn't feel like I was surrounded by a lot of other things to do. It felt like, oh, this is the time when I have to now get back to where I was and restart the same linear challenges. Like, it feels like there's way more to do on the ground and there's way more air for you to reach when you're trying to climb things there Yeah, in, in Odyssey. The, the thing that Odyssey does, I think, to prevent that sort of thing, the... 
area that you can be forgiven uh, for totally forgetting about in Sunshine that tries to do the verticality thing is Noki Bay. Mm-hmm. And the problem with Noki Bay is that it's bad. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it's like the higher no, up you Noki go. Is Noki Bay the one with the purple water when you first get there? That was yeah. my favorite level in Sunshine. Uh, it's a really great <laughs> level, like, aesthetically. Uh, but the problem with it is when you start to go up. Uh, you end up in this situation where the only reason you're going up is because that's the challenge, is to be able to climb up there. If you fall, you have to start the whole thing over again. Odyssey is littered with things that make getting back to where you were when you got there originally way easier to do. Between electric lines, uh, like the traffic pylons, fucking forks, like <laughs> whatever. Yeah, transformations. Yeah, like whatever you have laying around, you're able to get back to where. Uh, you were in like a quick and for the most part fun time. There are very few moments in this game where I felt frustrated because I had to do something over again or do something that felt like it was going to take a long time because there just weren't that many things. Mm-hmm. Uh, they tried to streamline the sort of free running. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mario's always had really polished movement mechanics, but like they took it to a whole new level in this game where like almost everything that you can interact with also increases your movement and probably does two or three other things for you as well. Right, yeah. And they did a crazy good job at layering that complexity behind a relatively simple mechanic set. I feel like, to a certain extent, the complexity of Mario's like 3D moveset, a lot of it's legacy stuff like all the they had that whole action guide thing that they have to keep reminding you exists for people like me who haven't just like immediately ingrained all the button combinations that are legacy holdovers from other games this is what i was going to get into so yeah, yeah i'll come back to that uh so then that feels like old mario design like creeping in for the sake of backwards compatibility for you know memories of old players things like that but every time an Odyssey unique mechanic comes up, it's like the smoothest shit in the world. Like, <laughs> you, they have an infinite number of different things that you end up doing by the end of this game. Like, everything from shooting tanks to destroying rocks as a T-Rex. Like, just a billion possible interactions with the world. And it's all layered behind a hat mechanic that's universal and understandable. And it's sort of, like, uh, separated out. Like, you never have to worry about more than two or three different buttons at a time, despite having a a number of different things that you can do in the game that would, like, rival or dwarf some of the most complex 3D open world games that people have around. I, I, I never felt overwhelmed uh, and always felt like I was doing something cool and different and fun, and I love that to death. Yeah. I, yeah this game strikes uh, like at a new milestone in video game accessibility. Like This is probably the game that is the easiest to do the most stuff in, if there was a metric that you could somehow <laughs> measure that on. Uh, the... The thing that's been talked about about this is, like, if you compare it to other, like, 3D action games, how they, like, use every button on the controller, and Mario made the, like, bold decision to map two of the buttons on the face button to the same action twice. Mm -hmm. So both uh, your X and Y button are your, like, action attack throw hat button, and your A and B are both jump. And further than that, of course, you, like L and R both crouch, uh, et, et cetera. That kind of a thing that is uh, designed to just sort of make it so that anybody can kind of pick up and play the game. But the thing that I <laughs> wanted to talk about is when we were discussing Sunshine and uh, you were talking about all the mechanics that are 
holdovers from previous games Mm -hmm. that you just had zero idea what the hell was going on that you didn't know about the ground pound yeah did you review like the action manual when you started oh absolutely it was my favorite thing in the world i would every time i started up to play this game again uh the first thing that i did because i am a boring old man is opened (laughs) up this manual and was like hmm let's remember how to do that thing where you dive in the air and i assume that was in all of the other games also as like a secret cool thing you could dive in 64 and sunshine but it was different it was a different button right it was like its own distinct action Mm -hmm. right yeah because i was trying to figure out how to dive and i had to open the manual for that one yeah because you have to start the ground pound like the ground pound puts you into like a a state where you can trigger the dive Mm -hmm. uh which is interesting, because you can actually dive out of a ground pound as well, which makes, like, some weird platforming things you can do, where <laughs> you can, like, jump down a thing and then dive into a little alcove. The dive has always been, like, the the secret, like, fastest way to get around, though, in all the games. Yeah. Like, in Super Mario 64, the, the fastest way to move around is to just run and dive and, like, keep, like, jumping and diving over and over again. And yeah. in Sunshine, you squirt the water... And you dive and slide on it. Yep. Like, it feels like they at least put forward a greater effort to that kind of uh, accessibility in terms of secret mechanics. Because, like, here's the balance they got to strike, right? Like, there's the vast majority of people who will play these games that they are looking to be accessible toward will never care about those mechanics if they don't want to. Which is the reason, though, they don't spend a whole lot of time tutorializing them. Right. It's because the people who are your returning veterans will already know... And uh, the people who are picking up the game for the first time are presumably 10-year-olds who don't care and will naturally learn these things on their own. And it it left out uh, uh, people like me, weird, like, mid-20-year-olds who somehow didn't have familiarity with this stuff and wanted the complexity but didn't have the backwards knowledge. Right. Uh, And now uh, they threw me a bone with, like, secret manual. Well, not secret, but, like... A, a manual they tell you about you can review whenever you want, and, like, the occasional Hattie tips. Yeah. Uh, there are also signs that you can read that are littered throughout the, the world. The hat tips, ooh, as somebody who did internalize the controls pretty quickly, mm-hmm. those got, I mean, you can skip it, but I always wanted to hear his little, like, tidbit about the, the kingdom. Yeah. So I was like, uh, look, dude, <laughs> you just saw me... Like, do a backward somersault, throw the hat, bounce off the hat, get on top of the Odyssey to get here. Don't tell me about a ground pound. Oh, yeah, I can... Even those weren't even <laughs> particularly useful for me. I'm just saying I'm happy that the action guide exists and that they, they drew attention to it. And it really did make me enjoy this game a lot more on top of the million other things that made me actually enjoy this game. Right. Yeah, newsflash, this is uh, probably my favorite 3D platformer. Uh, it is probably also my favorite. <laughs> yeah. I, I've got that deep, deep, deep-rooted Mario 64 love, but... But you can put on the Mario 64 outfit That's and true. hang out in the Mushroom But, I mean, kingdom. like, I'm sure, given time, this will settle into I heard, I heard being this my like, favorite. <laughs> this is, like, a one-off rumor, so I'm not gonna swear that I even know the source of this mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. i heard that they are planning like some form of dlc for this game and included in that is potentially bomb battlefield so maybe they'll just backport all <laughs> of uh super mario 64's okay. levels that would be kind of awesome but i think i would just rather see new stuff honestly yeah i mean truth be told that's like 
as it is, if you were got to the Mushroom Kingdom and you went into Peach's Castle and Babon Battlefield was just there and you could just jump in and it was a level, right. that would have been awesome. But like now, if they were like Babon Battlefield DLC, I'd be like, eh, <laughs> do something new. It kind of blows my mind. You know what I mean, that you guys are even like that. You guys or they would even like bring up DLC as a concept for this game at all, considering how much this game is literally named after the fact that it's just bursting at the goddamn seams with like new mechanics and levels and different experiences and things to do. Oh yeah, uh, the the new if they introduce new levels, I mean it would put the. Because the level of content in this game is already at an unattainable level for me. Mm-hmm. The Going further than that would just be like, you're just adding things <laughs> to the pile. But like, a new level to go in would still be a neat yeah. time rather than spending six more hours in the Lake Kingdom. <laughs> right. So, as someone who's not a completionist and has no interest in getting everything in every level at all, mm-hmm. uh, I would like to see them add like a couple more. Like, it... it just adding a new kingdom is like the perfect like thing to do for D- like in a DLC pack. Yeah. But to go now back to the beginning of the podcast, welcome to Noclip. Uh we're going to talk about uh the why for all of re- the reasons just discussed a second ago, the addition of like a bazillion stars or moons or sprites or whatever you want to call them is actually just the best decision that this game made uh and also the thing that i hear complained about the most um because of the complexity of mario's movement and how much you actually can do with like a little bit of ingenuity and a couple of hat throws you the game needs to have an outlet for that like you have to be able to do that for a reason and the fact that there are 900,000 moons in this game that's a real number uh it's not applicable but it is real i don't think uh, anyone ever disputed that 900,000 is a real number <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true who's your audience there? So, somebody the out there is like nah, i've never heard that one before uh <laughs> Uh, allow them to include some things that are downright fucking dastardly hard uh, later in the game. Uh, And that is kind of where the balance is, uh, where the parts about this game that I like and that I don't like uh, meet at. You'd kind of have to do a lot of work to get to the stuff that will actually challenge you if you're a seasoned platform Mm. game player. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to do a a classic Andy thing and say I fall kind of in the middle <laughs> on the moons issue uh, because I th- I think there are too many but not by as much as probably a lot of other people complaining do it's like a shrines and breath of the wild thing for me right like I wish they could remove like a small fraction like not a significant portion of them but like they cut down the number by like a hundred maybe because there's like 830 of them. Yeah, like, like that. I've played to like where I got to 500, and I feel like I'm about done. Yeah. Like, uh, so if they could like trim down like one or 200 moons out of it, and kind of like so that you just were done. No. <laughs> uh, but so that like some of them were, they could make more of them like a bit hard. Like they could redistribute like the the quality among all of them. There aren't as many that are just kind of like. One-off secrets. Yeah, one-off thing that's just sitting right there. Yeah. Yeah, because that's the one that people, they're like, I don't feel any satisfaction from picking up a moon that's, like, just hovering over the ground 
uh, on the critical path to the boss. Which makes sense, like, you don't feel satisfaction from that. That moon is likely just there because they chose the number and maybe, like, one moon got cut because, like, in playtesting they determined a lot of people struggled to find a particular thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they just were like, well, let's just put one in a glowy spot on the ground. Uh, And, uh, but... The thing that I really just have to... And this is kind of the doom of this game in terms of, like, uh, people giving their initial opinions of it, is it's going to take about, like, 12 hours, but when you hit that point, those easy moons are going to feel like such a respite from, like, that fucking uh, crumbly walkway bullet game that I was doing (laughs) last night for 50 tries. Uh, Dude, I like easy moons. I don't, I, I'm, I'm a baby person, but like, I, <laughs> I felt great when I like like managed to just look to the left and realize that there was like a really short interlude that ended in a moon. I was like, I felt accomplished and like I was in my little baby's first way. Right. And we're like, oh, the game didn't expect me to get this moon. Yeah. Got you, game. <laughs> it's my moon. I think it was just people. Because, yeah, I mean, people who are not seasoned platform game players are probably going to see the easy moons and be like, normal moon, cool, and not think twice about it because they're not expecting to be challenged. It's the people who want this to be like Mario Souls Odyssey, dark Mario Dark Odyssey, uh, <laughs> where everything is just really, like, cr- look, look what you can do with Mario. Now do it, like, a hundred times perfectly in a I row. think that's kind of an overstatement i think the complaint comes more from there are a significant number of moons where like this thing in one like in the lost kingdom or whatever okay. like at the very top is where like the shop is and there's one just like on top of a tree right you know like you don't have to like do anything special to get it and when you get moons like that it's just like okay oh, i got a moon are you, are you, you know moon? like and it <laughs> That thing is, it's not, like, inherently, like, bad. It's moon inflation? Yeah, it's moon inflation. Oh, it's just, shit. like, <laughs> there, are, there are too many that it's just kind of like, oh. They're, like, you didn't feel like you were doing anything. You just stumbled across it. Right. And, like, I think people find that to be, like, unsatisfying. Right. And I don't think it's necessarily just the only people complaining about it are people who want it, the game to be super hard. I think it's just, like, there are just too many moons. moons. <laughs> I mean, you're probably right. And, and people who do complain about it probably... It is a valid thing. Like, if you're the kind of person who, like, I claim to be, but only on games that aren't for the podcast, uh, <laughs> somebody who doesn't have time to, like, drop a whole million hours into a game to get to the good shit... Mm-hmm. Uh, is why I never sit right with MMOs and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, this game does gate some of the more difficult stuff behind fin- behind seeing the credits. You have to actually finish the game to unlock the uh, the moon rocks that create more moons, expectedly. Uh, <laughs> um, but even though, like, some of those are still just, like, sitting out in the open. Mm-hmm. I think at that point it becomes, like, this is not a big deal anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you brought up um, the issue of, like, not having as much time to play. Um, I think one reason the game's designed this way, where there's so many moons, is because it's on the Switch. 
Mm-hmm. And because of the fact that, like, they know people will be playing this on the bus. Right. Like, people will be playing it, like, when they have only a couple minutes of time. And, like, so they can just boot it up, find a moon, <laughs> be satisfied with their time, put it back, and, you know, play it tomorrow. Right. So it's got that portability factor, like, baked into its design. Speaking of the handheld elements uh, of the Switch as it relates to this game, uh, I feel like there's a chance this is something that might be discussed elsewhere, but have either of you guys experienced uh, what I'm tentatively going to call, like, irrational Switch graphics disappointment? I keep, <laughs> I keep getting into these situations where, like in Super Mario Odyssey, where I'm playing the game at home, and I'm like looking at this like stunning, beautiful HD gorgeousness that's all just being beamed into my eyes, uh, and then I, you know, do the little switch thing where it makes the fun clicky noise, and I uh, pick it up to take it somewhere else, and then I look at the switch screen on the now portable handheld, and I'm like instantly disappointed because I can see that we've dropped 720p, and that like I no longer have. I knew that if I was playing this at home, I would have like more gorgeousness than I'm currently experiencing, even though it's strictly better that I have the ability to play it away from home. Uh, I can't. <laughs> I don't. I don't feel the opposite, but I kind of feel like the games look a little bit better on the in the handheld mode. Really? Yeah, because I think all the textures look better on the smaller screen. Like I was playing Breath of the Wild because uh, you had Mario mm-hmm. and I had nothing to do. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I I felt like when I was playing it on the handheld, I was like, oh, there's like feels like there's less pop in and the textures look a little bit crisper on the handheld than when it's on the TV. Like and I'm I've never been an HD snob, so I don't I could not notice the difference between 1080p and 720p if you were like if my life depended on it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. yeah, that's not an issue for me. Uh, my issue because I've played now I I've haven't played this as much at work uh, <laughs> as I do with some portable games uh, because I haven't been into work. Monster this Hunter. Week. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Monster Hunter. Yeah, twelve hundred. Whatever. All right. Uh, but the important thing here is, I did play this game at the laundromat, and the thing about this game uh, and the Switch being portable generally is the fact that if you want your battery to last for the amount of time it takes to do a load of lights, <laughs> you have to turn the brightness on the Switch to zero and look at a blank screen. And that's where I felt the disappointment is because it just immediately became way harder to tell things for me that, like, playing it on the go was a little bit untenable. Now, I played it in my room with the lights off, and the contrast helps and made the Switch screen seem fine. I didn't, like, I didn't sit there and, like, malign that you couldn't see the detail in Mario's jeans pocket, but... (laughs) It does, like, it's a little bit of a difference. I wouldn't say that it's normal to have irrational Switch (laughs) mobile disappointment, whatever you call it. Yeah. One thing, though, for me is I always felt like when I was playing either this or Zelda, uh, if I was playing it in handheld mode and then I ran across, like, something significant, like a boss fight or, like, some kind of story thing or whatever, I felt disappointed that I wasn't playing it on the TV at that moment. (laughs) I was like, oh, I feel like this would be better. Because, like, I I prefer uh, playing on the console version, or, like, on the TV if I have the option. So, like, I would, I felt, I feel weird disappointment 
in that sense. Yes. I, I beat the final boss, actually, in handheld mode, mm-hmm. uh, which was... I actually then beat it again accidentally on the TV later. Uh, it wasn't a huge, huge difference for me. Uh, Are you saying Super Mario Odyssey is so easy that you beat the game a second time accidentally? I, no, what happened was I got to the end and I was it's looking... It's just so good. It's so good. <laughs> you I got to the ending again. again accidentally. I was looking for some perp coins, as I, as I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... I got to the moon, and when I was on the moon, I was looking around, and I was like, what, I wonder, maybe there are some purple coins in the wedding chapels. So I went up to the chapel, I was looking around, there was somebody commenting about a picture, and I was like, oh, it was a cool picture. I jumped into the picture, and it just replays the boss fight. So I'm in the middle of the boss fight, I was like, I don't want to do this. I'm, I had a goal. This is useless <laughs> to me. Uh, so I tried to, I, you can't leave. Once you start it, it's just, you do it again. So I, like, speed run played the boss fight mm. uh, a second time on TV, and it looked pretty good. How did you guys feel about the bosses generally? I wish they had not made them all just Mario, 3D Mario bosses. It's the same thing I felt when I fought uh, the bosses in uh, Galaxy. I was like, oh, it's a... It's a slightly prettier thing you hit three times, mm-hmm. and you win. Yeah, they felt very much like they were influenced by the boss design in 3D Land and 3D World, uh, which is, yeah, like, just cool-looking character <laughs> models that you jump on three times or whatever. Yep. There's one boss in particular that I thought was... Well, I didn't actually like it that much when I played it, but when I played the rematch in the in the Mushroom Kingdom, uh, the one from the mm, I'll remember the name. I think it's, it was called the the Garden Kingdom, the one with the robots. The Wooded Kingdom. The Wooded Kingdom. Ah. Uh, the Wooded Kingdom boss, where you play this little onion guy who. Jesus Christ, if if Captain Toad can get his own spinoff game, the Onion Dude should get his own <laughs> spinoff game, because that was probably the most fun transformation of the whole thing for me. Uh, I just like the thought process that goes into it. Legs? You like legs? I like st- stretchy legs. <laughs> and he does like, a little snap in the leap. It's great. It's really satisfying. Uh, I played through the entire main level as one, just to see if I could, and you can... And it's amazing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, the boss of that one, you play as him and you like smash up uh, through some bricks into a thing. And then they introduce a wrinkle in the rematch where uh, when you when he, he'll shoot not at you, but at these like those little fire ring projectors. Mm-hmm. And they then trigger like several of them. Uh, and so you have to like dodge those while you're destroying the thing it became like this kind of intense not like still not hard it could have been a little bit more intense uh but this intense like oh you gotta jump over here you gotta move over this way jump to avoid that and then smash the thing uh so that boss was great all the other bosses eh, mediocre yeah i i think it helped that a number of them incorporated transformations but uh still like really yeah Really not that... Uh... Like, we're getting a point in the series where you kind of have to incorporate transformations, which I, you know, have a sneaking suspicion is why this game exists. Is because they thought up one, like, core consistent interaction, the interactions that you have via hats, uh, and then 
after that point, because that hat inter interaction is mostly about acquiring new mechanics through like capturing other enemies, it just stopped. Instead of having one centralized mechanic that was its own thing, like the flood in Super Mario Sunshine or something, mm -hmm. you now have a central mechanic that is constantly tied into acquiring new mechanics, which means they don't have to build a whole game's worth of content around one new thing, exploring every nook and cranny. But you can they just should. The stretchy like onion guy, <laughs> Nintendo, make it happen. They just have, like, literally a hundred different mechanics that could all support, like, a five-hour game all stapled together into, like, this beautiful little salad. Right. Mm -hmm. Because of that, of course, the the bosses that incorporated the, trans the transformations were just better most for the most part than mm -hmm. any of the ones where you play is just mario mm -hmm. rabbits were pretty creepy that's true uh they lose their creepiness like the fourth fifth sixth seventh eighth ninth or tenth time that you fucking fight them yeah. yeah i'm suspicious uh like i was when we talked about breath of the wild that uh kilton started out as tingle and they changed it I All feel right. like the rabbits started out as the Koopalings, and then they changed them to something different. Right. Why would you rather have, like, a weird, huge mouth guy that vomits poison than a Koopaling, though? What? Like, what? He's asking. Oh. <laughs> in, uh, in his own way. <laughs> it's like, I feel like they, their thought process was probably... They, they, they wanted them to be the Koopalings, or they wanted to incorporate them, and then... When they were working on like implementing them in the game, they were like, "Well, why don't we do something different?" You know, because they don't want like, it to yeah, make... they, yeah, they don't want it to be like too derivative or too referential. Like they want to do something new. Yeah, they get to hold their little uh, celebration of of Mario for the last level, mm -hmm. and it really is like. That's the thing I think I'm going to want to bring up later. Yeah. Um, so we'll talk about the Mushroom Kingdom and, like, post-game stuff after the break. Um, but yeah, so they, they did sort of want to save that, and they made the, the Brutals. Uh, Even the name is, like, creepy. The, the, the name, like, crawls on you. I don't know. The name is bad. It's 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 a pun, but it's a pun with a, with a new made-up fake word. <laughs> because it's, br like, the bri their bridal planners are... Some wedding job. I when I read it initially, I thought that the joke was that they were the bridal party. Mm -hmm. Like Bowser was like, "What? What do princesses like? How about rabbits in hats?" Which seems like reasonable. I think most people would like rabbits in hats. That's mm -hmm. adorable. But he picked like the worst ones. He's like uh, Oogie Boogie from uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, picking those like fucking satanic little kids and was mm. like these are like regular kids trick-or-treating <laughs> but really they're sadistic masterminds of horrible plans and that's kind of the situation that we have going on here but as it goes on i have no idea what they're like they were just they're basically just hired to help uh yeah. and they're not particularly engaging boss fights mm -hmm. Oh, and, and also, also they're from the moon and they're from, <laughs> from the dark side i, I think the idea is that Bowser went to the moon to, like, rent the church or whatever for his wedding, and he found them there. <laughs> and was like, hey, you want to help me fight Mario? I actually, evil, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I love this as, like, the, the plot. Like, like any Mario game, the plot is pretty, like, threadbare. Mm -hmm. 
Sorry. We have this this cutscene at the beginning where Mario just gets utterly trounced uh, and is dropped like 350,000 feet to the surface of a planet mm-hmm. uh, where he craters into the ground and then is revived by a hat. Yeah, a boo wearing a hat, basically. Um, and then, yeah, and it just sort of goes from there. So we never get that, that backstory of like why Bowser has a base on the moon. <laughs> why is that? Why the? Why does the wedding have to be on the moon? Is that just how things are done here? <laughs> Look, I'm sorry. Like, clearly, he wanted nothing but the best for her. Mm-hmm. In, the, the every, mo- no, I think Bowser wanted nothing but the best for himself. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he literally traveled around the globe and outside of it. He traveled outside the globe yep. to give her the best wedding possible. Well, the, even, like, the, the locations <laughs> on the moon. He traveled around the world to give himself the best wedding possible because Peach was one of the things that he stole <laughs> to give like himself at the wedding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. What a bastard. But no... Even, like, the, the... So you go through all of these kingdoms, and, like, if you scroll from one... From the beginning of it all the way to the end, oh. you can see, like, the globe turns as you do it, and so, presumably, these are all the places. Yes. Uh, and none of them have a wedding chapel, but the moon does. <laughs> Even the locations on the moon is, like, Honey Loon Ridge. It's, like, obvious loon, lunar, honeymoon... Are you I suggesting that the only chapel is on the moon? This is exactly what In I'm suggesting. Mario I'm putting this forth world. as Mario canon. The only that's why there are no married couples in Mario games because they're turtles, and tu- turtles can't reach the moon. <laughs> is that yeah? Yeah, turtles don't uh, mate for life. Like uh, yeah, that's all I was going for. Isn't there like a nursery rhyme about turtles trying to reach the moon by stacking on top of themselves? Okay, maybe. <laughs> if there is, and you knew about it, maybe you can enlighten me as to why rabbits come from the moon. <laughs> is that also a thing that I'm just I, not aware I of? I don't think so. They just wanted to go with that? No, I just think, like, evil eldritch horrors come from the moon. Oh, they come is, underwater. Yeah. I really That's cannot it, yes. accent enough uh, how much I didn't like the face of the big poison guy. I gotta make sure I get this into the podcast like three his, or four more his times. His face or just the fact that he's a rabbit that vomits poison? His face. And you could easily do a really cool rabbit that vomits poison. Especially if it had like more rabbit-like qualities and less like general like cartoon rabbit qualities. Are we, are we gonna go to the tapes on this one? Uh, yeah, I just remember him looking like a rabbit. Like yeah, like I don't remember him having a particularly vile face. His face takes up like three quarters of his... My face, I of course mean mouth. His mouth takes up three quarters of his face. You mean like a cartoon character? Like a cartoon character that never moves its mouth God, off of that point. How do you spell point. brutals? How do they spell it's it? It's B-R-O-O-D-A-L-S. Oh. Yeah, just, just search brutals. He's the one that'll stick out because his mouth could literally <laughs> consume all of the other ones at any time. And his expression seems to suggest that he wants to. Constantly. Oh, That's him. He just kind of looks like a cartoon rabbit to me. Oh, God, look at that. Are you sure it's not the red hair? That looks kind of weird. Let me, let me review the tape here. 
I mean, there's a lot of elements that I mean, really he does combine. have a big mouth, but yeah. I mean, that's not really that unusual. Like, I feel like Middle Rabbit is, like, generic evil rabbit. I like sure. I like the girl rabbit's design, and I like, like, the, 1850s Southern yeah, lawyer rabbit. Yeah. Ragtime <laughs> rabbit. Yeah. Lanky Kong the rabbit. But this guy has, like, no unifying theme other than his terrifying Like he, Yeah, he's mouth. a squat rabbit that has, like... You know, he's like the muscle. He's I, like the, yeah, I wanted to push back on this a little bit, rabbit. but yeah, he is way more unsettling than all of the other ones. And I think you hit the nail on the head. It's the hair. He has like a he's crazy long wacky hair, <laughs> where none of them have visible hair except for the girl. And that's like an established cartoon tradition. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How do you differentiate a male from a female animal? It has like a weird hairdo. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's a little bit weird. And he even has like a fucking renaissance puffy shirt. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Like what is being evoked there? I don't know. Who knows, dude? I I can't tell. He's an anachronistic. I think that's just an ascot. I don't think that's his shirt. Well, that's better, but not. it doesn't solve the problem. Speaking of problems, is it implied anywhere that I missed that New Donk City uh, also used to be like a classic kingdom, like a literal fiefdom, like all the others are kingdoms? Uh, I don't believe so. Okay. It appear- I, b- I mean, it's called the Metro Kingdom. Yeah, it's the oh, Metro yeah. Kingdom. Here's, here's the, my, like... Just a theory, a game theory, thanks for watching, on this. I think you're just correct. Right. If you're going to say what I think you're going to say. Just like game theory is all the time. (laughs) It's such a respected and trusted source. Indeed. Uh, We're not going to throw shade on one of the more popular gaming YouTube channels. Um, But if we were, that's what we would say. Uh, But my thoughts on it are, I think that New Donk City is the city that Donkey Kong was building in Donkey Kong. Mm -hmm. Like, that's why he's standing on a bunch of fucking scaffolding. And then, like, New Donkey Kong, wiser to his old man's ways, (laughs) rolled in and was like, we're just going to theme this, like, around... But Squawks Avenue's down there, and... I don't know some other shit that references Donkey Kong Country, mm-hmm. but that it was... has the same like red girders and stuff in it. Yeah, that's so mm-hmm. definitely sp- in Pauline's there. It's definitely supposed to be the same place. Yeah. I like, like that Pauline became later, mayor like... as well. Like, <laughs> did she like despite them all being kingdoms, she's the only leadership that you ever see, and she's not a queen. She's right. a mayor, <laughs> so she doesn't rule over all of the Metro Kingdom. But she's popular with the with her constituents in New Dunk. Right. It's a pretty cool mayor. She's a good mayor. She's a, everyone just sings her praises all the time. <laughs> so she's either a great mayor or there's like some 1984 shit going on. Indeed. <laughs> like name... That would liter- explain all the weird people. <laughs> yeah, all the crazy... Yeah, the and they're, they're all being controlled. <laughs> Can you name in real life one cool mayor? Uh, define a cool... I don't. You define. I don't care. How many I'll mayors state do you know? Your, exactly. Well, the mayor exactly. of Toronto is cool by like a rock star standpoint because he does lots of cocaine. This is their their past mayor. I don't want to slander Toronto right now. Okay. But their former mayor did a whole lot of cocaine and was like a crazy man. I, I, I he get was that. cool, but he was a bad mayor. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Thumbs down. Okay. Not a, not a but good But I mean, man. the only thing that you see Pauline do is, like, organize a festival. And she's also a singer, though. That's true. That's cool. Yeah, and yeah it's really cool. Yeah. I'm I, I I going to stipulate this for further examples of cool mares. They have to both be cool and be a mare. Like, it's got to be a thing that, like, people look back on with happiness and joy. Like, oh, man, our mare is so cool. Not like, oh, man, our mare is too cool. Right. Well, this is the problem, because Pauline... Seems to be a good mayor. People seem to like her. However, as a person, I would like to enter this evidence into uh, <laughs> the, the discussion. At uh, a later point in the game, after you crack open that moon rock in the Metro Kingdom, you can go talk to her, and she says, do you want to... I want you to get to know me better in the form of a quiz, which she, she then asks you things about herself, which you have between, like, a 0% chance of knowing and, like, a 25% <laughs> chance of knowing. Uh, and that is, a, that is a weird thing for a person to do. So if somebody was like, I would like to introduce my, hi, I'm Chad. Uh, I'm going to tell you about myself in the form of a pop quiz. <laughs> and then I just started asking you questions. You'd be like, that kid is not cool. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to lean, I'm in the middle on Paul Lee, I gotta say. <laughs> Andy, I assume you have no particular strong opinions. <laughs> uh, I mean... I like Pauline on a surface level. I like that she dresses like Carmen Sandiego, mm-hmm. and I like that she sings that cool song. But uh, other, that's all that I know about her. I don't think that's enough to make a judgment. Oh yeah, that's why you, you need to the take damn- her pop quiz. <laughs> that's why I, I took the pop quiz, oh. and you describing the pop quiz has made me realize the way you're supposed to do it is talk to all the people and they'll tell you things about her oh. but it i probably did what like everyone else did and just like muscle my way through just it. guessed answers yeah. right that's what i the only ones like, <laughs> the only things that i could possibly even come up with were things that you could infer from uh uh from the game the arcade yeah. game donkey kong uh, Wait, so you can retake the pop quiz if you're getting oh, yeah, questions yeah. right? Yeah, if you get a question wrong, you just go, hey, and she's like, if here's you, another question. It's just to get a moon. You get yeah. all the way through it, and she gives you a moon. No, you don't. And that's what, the worst what thing. Because so this makes her even less cool. <laughs> you finish the pop quiz, and she goes, thanks. By the way, it's my birthday. And you have to go get her a gift. Oh, and bring right. it to, and then she gives you a move. Yeah, okay. This is not a reciprocal relationship at all. You put in a hundred percent of the effort. She gives <laughs> you like one percent effort back. Here's a moon I already had. Remember when we were in the power plant and thousands of moons were just being piled into that yeah. machine all at once? Mm-hmm. I have one of those. Yeah, I've got millions Honestly, more. Here's yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> You're just mining the moon. Yeah. Uh-huh. Dry. Like, you, you can't hide it from us. We are, we've already established on this podcast how bad moon inflation has got. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a rising tide of uh, economic uh, downturns. She, she, maybe she, she's evil. She's hoarding all the moons to herself. That's not very cool. <laughs> I think we've stretched this one out quite long enough. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk about some cool shit. Yeah! Welcome back from the break. Uh, So, (laughs) we spent a weird amount of time uh, on the first half talking a lot about this one rabbit's mouth. Uh, 
Which, uh, the reason for that is because uh, one of the things that is most, like, striking about this game when you first pick it up, and it's been true of, like, the first Mario title on every console that Nintendo's released, more or less, is that this game looks so good, uh, and just how they expanded upon the uh, Mario aesthetic generally is really kind of impressive. Uh, if you remember uh, a couple of, of episodes, actually, uh, the first one, of course, being Super Mario Sunshine, and how I talked about the fact that one of the things that I really liked about the game uh, is the fact that it has this consistency in themes uh, when it, from level to level in the way they're designed, um, and how they're all designed to look like things in this tropical island setting. Um, I was initially kind of off-put by the fact that they went back to the Mario 64, like everything has a different wacky theme for each kingdom, but the game has so much else that made me love it, and then the actual aesthetic, the execution on that aesthetic, is what really fucking sells each one of these kingdoms uniquely. This game, in a lot of ways, feels like uh, a subtle like pushback against a lot of the people that will like make fun of Nintendo's like overly simplistic, not into the twenty first century aesthetic choices. Like in, in the in the way that a lot of people consider Nintendo's aesthetics to be really cartoony, this game keeps a light, colorful, beautiful, cartoony aesthetic, and then just mixes it with like every popular aesthetic in video games that couldn't be described as dark, and even some, in a couple of cases that can be described as dark, that has occurred over the last couple of like console generations. Mm-hmm. Like th- this is a game where uh, they just fucking threw in a dragon. Like as you said earlier, a Skyrim dragon is just in this game around for you to have a boss fight with. Yeah, just a regular ass fucking dragon. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's slightly Mario. Yeah, affied, but. Very slightly. And it looks real pretty. And they do that with all sorts of stuff. They do that with the the robots in the Forest Kingdom, where it seems like it would look totally at home in, like, a modern console game that has that it does not have, like, a strongly bright and colorful plumber guy who's hopping around, going everywhere. Like, any of the aesthetics to these kingdoms could be separate from Mario and could support their own game. Mm-hmm. It's like they really mix and match things. Like, they didn't just go with your standard desert level it's now a frozen desert Mm -hmm. and they didn't go with like just a forest level it's now a forest where industries moved in and like they they took a lot of steps to like differentiate the levels from your traditional like standard mario themes where it's like lava level desert level you know etc the one that shocked me the most was uh uh, Bowser's Kingdom is not like just like a lava pit like it always is. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this particular instance, it's a Japanese, like an ancient Japan influenced, like big pointed structures. With mm-hmm. it's like a it's like a palace, like a Japanese like palace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's and it, it was uh, that one. That one really kind of blew me away because it just ign.com uh, because it just uh, was so not what I was expecting mm-hmm. and just like vast like it's such yeah, it's a really huge, big the, this huge area that has all of these little uh, little design touches in it it was just fun to navigate yeah. it's a good level yeah it's cool that it wasn't just like a medieval castle and yep. there wasn't as much lava 
I actually kind of feel like Bowser should always have a Japanese-themed castle now, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. It, the problem is that Bowser is still just, like, a big turtle guy, mm-hmm. uh, so he's not, like, uh, like, you can almost make, well, I don't know. No, my I'm getting my aesthetics <laughs> mixed up here. I was thinking, like, is Bowser, like, a dragon? He breathes fire. But he's a turtle. Yeah, is there, I was going to ask if you think of him more as a dragon or more as a turtle. Yeah, I, I feel like I always have to associate him with turtles just because of the Koopas. You yeah, know? I've always thought of him as more of a dragon, personally. Mm. But with a shell. Yeah, it was a dragon with a shell. Yeah. I, the thing that pushes me away from dragon on Bowser aesthetically is that dragons... Like, one almost completely unifying trait that dragons have is that they're long. And he's like a stubby ass, like square shaped dude. <laughs> I don't know if there's like a, a name for it, but like I, there are like dragons that are depicted kind of like Bowser is. We're like stockier. I, I'd have to like find some pictures <laughs> for it. Yeah, it's a stocky dragon. And then like better like stand up on two feet and stuff. Like okay. I've definitely seen other dragons in that. Kind uh, of like style. the one from Mulan. Mushu. That's no. the one. No, he's not squat. He's too. Uh, <laughs> yeah like tall in uh proportion mm-hmm. with the rest of him <clears throat> music <laughs> how is that for a transition yeah there's still more to say about the aesthetics i think yeah because uh going through and like actually exploring these areas uh was a lot of the driving force behind me getting all of the moons that i did when i first went through each level and uh the variety really helps that along like, upon, once I felt like I spent enough time in one area, moving to the next one actually did make me sort of excited about, like, hey, what are they going to do? And then when they throw uh, the Lost Kingdom at you uh, in the middle of the game where you're not, like, told that you're going there and you don't know the general aesthetic, <laughs> landing in, like, the crazy jungle full of rainbow wigglers was actually, I was just like, well, fuck yeah! <laughs> like, I am on board with this. Uh, and all of that just sort of, that, like, I felt like there were very few misses, and I know that you don't even agree with the one that I have, uh, which is mean? the Luncheon Kingdom. Oh, yeah. I-, I thought the Luncheon Kingdom was one of my favorite aesthetic themes, because it's, di- like, it's dis- it's not, it's unlike anything that's ever been in a Mario game before. Like, mm-hmm. the weird pink lava, like, neon polygonal vegetable <laughs> kingdom with fork people. Like, you know, like, it was so unique, and I just really, really mm-hmm. liked that. I, when this game was first announced, and they started bringing out, like, video for the first time, I needed to be won over on the aesthetics of this game. Not, like, because uh, I'm an evil person who doesn't like Mario games, uh, but because I felt like when I first saw this game, I didn't understand its point or theme. Like, the initial trailer was just like, you can go here, and this wildly different place, and this city with weird real people that proves Mario isn't a real person. Uh, and, like, the, the, and the whole tagline of, like, Super Mario Odyssey just struck me initially as if it was, like, schizophrenic, and they just didn't know what they were trying to do, especially with the hat stuff. Like, I didn't right. get how the hat gelled with everything else. But after playing through the game myself, personally, I now sort of get the unifying tie in that in the mechanical stuff that we talked about in the first half, in that the hat 
and its controlling mechanisms was a route to variety because that mechanic's whole point is giving you a billion different things to do all the time. Mm -hmm. So, of course, you would describe a, a huge sequence of different things that you're doing as an odyssey. But... Like when you, as even still to this day, if I take like three steps back from the game, I'm like, so you're an, you're an explorer with a sentient hat. Like it's not really, <laughs> it's not clean, uh, but it is polished and real pretty. Yeah, it's like from the, from the initial trailers, I thought the whole globe trotting element really clicked for me. Like I thought of it almost kind of like Kingdom Hearts. Or, like, you're going to each of these distinct worlds mm-hmm. on, like, a, and each one looks different, but there's just enough, like, of a unifying art style to tie it all together. Yeah, man, it is really not, probably not surprising that I did not think of that, but that's, like, a way more valid comparison than mm-hmm. I probably would have. Even in, um, like, interviews, they've talked about with Kingdom Hearts that they wanted to, like, have each world have its own textures and to like look more different than each other but they couldn't you know on the, the ps2 PlayStation 2, yeah. but um and that's kind of mario kind of does that here where each kingdom has like its own distinct look and like you have like a realistic t-rex that somehow like fits <laughs> and like the weird uh like sonic people like in new donk city and whatever oh oh yeah are you distinguishing sonic people from people well, yeah. Yeah, I'm talking like, didn't... Um, Sonic 06. Yeah, Sonic 06 had people in it. Oh, it sure like, did. They were like weird. Yeah, know, this is actually... So the joke is Mario has always been better than Sonic and will continue to always be better than Sonic. Of course. Uh, and it's not really a joke that's like an adage. It's just a fact of, of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sonic, in 2006, 11 years ago, did real people, and people ha- or have been making fun of it consistently for 11 years. <laughs> Mario puts real people in the game, and people go for, like, three months where they're like, it's so weird, why is Mario walking around that regular guy? And then everyone just talks about that the game is good. Yeah. Uh, they've overshadowed the fact that they're weird, tall, regular people. By by making a game that is functional. Mm-hmm. And the people even work better, because in Sonic they just were like, no, these people are like totally okay with there being a weird hedgehog mm-hmm. that walks around and talks to them and jumps real high and wears shoes, and it's fucking strange. In New Dog City, they're like, they kind of speak Simlish yeah. uh, and are like their own species of things. Mm-hmm. Like they, equiv- they, they equivocate the people in New Dog City who look like humans and forks that are also sentient mm-hmm. and wear chef hats. <laughs> as well as, like, mermaids and robots and, like, all yep. of the things. It's It was, a, I think, a really great idea to make them kind of like Sims. Because, like, it, it's yeah. that level of separation where, like, you're, they're not quite real people. Right, yeah. They're kind of like pawn people, you know? <laughs> like, they're, like, kind of like, eh, something's off. Yeah. But uh, that's the way it's supposed to be. They're what the mayor views <laughs> them as, normally, mm-hmm. yeah. And there's at least two... Uh, so it's clever instead of in Sonic where it was stupid. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, I, I do like that they make this like weird distinction where they're not... You can't mind control them, though, mm-hmm. because I guess that's a little bit too weird for them. <laughs> except the RC car guy. Oh, yeah, you can... Uh, He's, he was so well, conf- confounded by the RC car. <laughs> That he was, he was more susceptible to Was Mario's he wearing a hat? 
Because uh, all the people wear hats. They do uh, wear You can't yeah. knock the hats off, though. Great, right. great distinction. Good notice. He might not have been wearing a hat. I didn't pick that up. I was actually also really disappointed that I couldn't uh, mind control normal people. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, Pauline is mind controlling all the people with her head. Oh my god! Because it's yeah. like way bigger. Than yeah, Kathy. it's it's like a satellite. Yeah, it's a huge. <laughs> this is we figured it out. <laughs> We've solved why she's so weird. Yeah. There is a 1984 thing going on. Good. Pauline's mind controlling everyone in the city. But like, you can't say that you wouldn't have enjoyed it if this game you allowed you to mind control people and it had no mechanical relevance, and you were just like <laughs> yeah, what the would nice you guy. Do, what would you do with a person if <laughs> you, you mind-controlled the person? You'd like get in a car, and you'd, it'd, be like the, it'd be like GTA, but without the violence. It'd be like when you're trying to be nice in GTA. <laughs> <laughs> I like, see, my mind... The idea of like Mario being inside like the one of the people, and they're like running like really comically <laughs> like, down the street. Yeah. Actually, like this hailing is actually, a cab. This is actually a rich vein that needs to be mine. You're just like your regular moveset, but you move slower and don't jump as high. Yeah. <laughs> You're like a normal person. See, I like this. Uh, the thing my mind went to immediately is that you like control a guy and you're like huh this is weird and then like an alarm goes off on your phone like your watch or your phone or something you're like oh gotta go home and like you have to go and like impersonate this guy <laughs> as he's having dinner with his it's family it's like octo dad oh yeah <laughs> it's octo dad it's mar mariocto dad yes you you go like a paper pusher and you get coins the way that human beings get coins they lit it's like that rugrats episode like they're literally pushing paper <laughs> <laughs> it's like a whole mini game <laughs> Why is this game so uh, <laughs> conducive to us going off on, like, crazy bullshit? <laughs> That's probably how they designed the game. Mm-hmm. They just went off on crazy bullshit, and they picked the stuff they liked and put it in. Yeah. It's like crazy bullshit, by definition, almost, is the pairing of ridiculous, previously unpaired elements in a logical chain. Uh, and this game just is that in a row repeatedly. Yeah, like, there's it goes from... Like, regular Mario game, you walk around, they teach you the controls, and you possess a frog. Well, it doesn't even start off as normal Mario game, because you're just in, like, a Tim Burton movie. You are in a Tim Burton movie. (laughs) And even the music even sounds like Danny Elfman music. Like, I think they specifically were going for a Tim Burton thing. Yeah. And and it doesn't even (laughs) stop there, because the music continues to be sort of, like, one of the big... Because, obviously... They they put more of a spotlight on the music in this game than they typically do. Yes. Uh, despite the fact that the music's always been great. Yeah. Uh, the this game has more of like a focus on it because you have uh, like there's a song selector that you can just choose like whatever music you want from the in-game menu and uh, and just have it playing at all times. They're like little toads and whatnot. But like that like crazy juxtaposition of like insane shit regular people. Situation that you have in New Donk City, even the music kind of follows that, where you have your juxtaposition of Mario running around in a Tim Burton movie, and then like Bowser smashing blocks to a pop punk song at the end, mm-hmm. which we knew about the song from New Donk City. Was Jump Up Superstar. Yeah, so we knew about Jump Up Superstar because of the the promotional material. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't, and they even have like a diegetic, like it's Pauline singing the song mm-hmm. when it's being played, and you can sort of just jive with that because it makes sense. Damn right you can jive with that. <laughs> <laughs> but when 
you get to the end, and it's just like, and it's just like, I was like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, it definitely like puts a smile on your face. Like it was so unexpected. I could not believe it. I was like, oh my god, did they do this a second time? I was not expecting that. It's a good song. It is. It's it's a good song. It's it's. Insane. They wrote two genuinely good songs that I would like put on my phone and listen to in my free time, completely independent of the game. Yep. For this game. Mm. And we're the kind of people you and you and me. I know JJ is less on the spectrum. Uh, the people who don't generally just like put on a, a video game soundtrack to listen to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, a hundred percent. And that goes for a lot of the stuff in this game. Like, if they had been like tweaked slightly to not be music that's meant to be heard on a loop and like a three minute chunk that has like a distinct beginning and end uh like the music from new donk regular is incredible yeah the music from the wooded kingdoms one of my favorites that has like that 50s like sort of yeah you know like that (laughs) that old time rock and roll yeah it's so good Oh my god! Yeah, it was it was great. The the having a smile on your face description is, I think, just like the whole motif. Oh yeah, I'm sure that I was like grinning like an idiot while I was playing that part. (laughs) I couldn't, I just couldn't not smile at it. Yeah, it does make it a little bit less of an issue that that like the whole final boss and its run up and its post run uh, <laughs> are not real difficult and I don't think they're intended to be and that like crazy uh, music they play at the end sort of just like because if you fuck that up it would seem weird like being like like do the guitar slide one more time it's definitely going for more of an experience Mm -hmm. kind of a thing rather than it being a difficult challenge yeah it was a good time yeah oh yeah i loved it every second (laughs) (laughs) uh all right so uh other than that sort of a couple of the things that we've touched on i know we've talked about the boss fights a bit uh, were there like other moments of this game that you think stood out particularly? I liked punching Olmec in the face. I kind of always like even when I was a child really wanted to do that real bad. So punching Olmec in the face. Oh, I know what you're talking about. That's also a boss fight, and it took me a second to realize what was going. <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, it took me a second to realize what you were saying as mm-hmm. well. That was really funny because of the uh, the animation on his face as you like bring the fist closer, mm-hmm. kind of like quickly snaps to be like, ooh, <laughs> then he hit him, and then he has the. I really liked in the uh, Seaside Kingdom that like the whole level was the boss arena. Mm. Like it made it took a boss fight and made it feel like it was part of the level. If that makes sense. Yeah, because he's because he's always up there. Yeah, and like your goal is to knock him off the tower, and then you have to fight him in like the whole fucking level. Right. <laughs> uh, that that stood out to me. Uh, one thing I was thinking while I was playing this game is that this might be the game that makes me one of those people that swears off watching trailers Ooh. because there were uh, like several moments in this that I think would have like really wowed me if they hadn't been given away in the trailer. It's yeah. like, 
they show the first fucking thing they showed of the game was New Donk City, right? Which is like super unique and memorable. They played Jump Up Superstar in the trailer, which I mean, I understand why they did, but it's like that sequence where you go through the festival. It's 8-Bit Mario. They gave away the 8-Bit Mario thing, too. That oh, they been, did? Yeah, that was in the trailer. As you're aware, I'm no, one I of mean, those people who swears off watching not, not the Jump Up Superstar 8-Bit sequence. They didn't give oh. that away. Oh, okay. I good. mean, like, the fact that there was, like, you could be 8-Bit Mario was in oh, the game. Okay, that yeah. was given away in the trailer. Uh, but doing the whole festival in the New Donk City for the first time, like, in-game, like, probably would have made me cry it's like a a super nostalgic mario fan right but like as soon as i talked to pauline she was like round up this band i saw where it was going Mm. like i knew the song was gonna play and i knew there was gonna be like a thing you know i didn't know exactly what was gonna happen but like there was a lot of stuff that I i felt like this game was cheapened by watching the trailer first not enough still phenomenal game but I, I really wish that I wouldn't have watched the trailer. The one that killed me, and the only reason that I knew about it was um, because it was like a super popular GIF online, uh, was Mario capturing the dinosaur. Because mm. doing that the first time in game, like I had this palpable feeling of, man, I wish I didn't know yep. about this before, mm-hmm. you know, because it's cool as shit. And like in that ending sequence, like that really was a memorable part because I didn't know you were going to capture Bowser. That was an awesome realization. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the song, the whole escape, and like the being on the moon level was kept a secret. Like that was all super memorable. Yeah. And like, but the first like half of the game they'd shown like all those kingdoms already in the trailer Mm -hmm. and like the wooded kingdom was shown the uh, sand kingdom was shown new donk city was shown and i really wish that i wouldn't have watched the trailer but i'm one of those people where it's like mario 64 is one of my favorite games i was super excited for this and it would have been easier for me to like saw my own leg off than to not watch that trailer (laughs) like (laughs) So, uh, this might have taught me the lesson to just, like, not watch trailers. If you're already engaged, absolutely. Uh, that That's my line for it, is if, if I know I'm going to get something already before the trailer comes out, and I don't, like, in post-trailer conversation does not seem to have the theme of, like, oh, no, what have they done? Uh, then I don't watch <laughs> the trailer. Because uh, I, I... But... To be fair, they were in a really hard position to make a trailer for this game to try and sell it to people like me who would need selling on it. Mm-hmm. Because when the when the core theme of the game is variety and nothing that individually that you do is something you're going to be doing for a very long time, anything that you show is going to be a spoiler to some extent like that if it's good. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like one game like say Zelda or something where in the trailer you can show vague things about what you're going to be doing constantly like the Breath of the Wild trailer had you in a forest on horseback being attacked by one of those like robotic dudes Mm -hmm. which is something that really doesn't give away any specifics about what you're going to do in a general Zelda story like that because it has this one overarching these overarching themes and mechanic sets that apply to anywhere that you go Uh, Other than being Mario and jumping, uh, this game definitely does not have that. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it is all about giving you new, different, and unique experiences. So if they were going to, like, market a game based on unique experiences, not only do they have to show stuff that 
was going to spoil most of it, but they had to show a lot of stuff to get across that a lot of different things are going to happen. Like I'd really, I feel, it feels like an impossible situation to me in terms of marketing it while being able to maintain the impact of everything. And I don't know how they could have solved it. Yeah, I mean, I get that. And like, there's a lot of people, like they're winning back fans right now, like yeah. Nintendo is. So like, it makes sense. And we kind of just like live in a spoiler culture now where everyone just like tweets about shit immediately and analyzes stuff. And it's up online the next day and right. whatever. The next day, even 10, Before 20 minutes. That, yeah, yeah. Like 20 minutes later. It's, it's just really hard to avoid that kind of stuff, and I wish there was, like, a way, like, they could advertise to people, like, that, I don't know, I just wish there was more of a delineation between, like, you should watch this if you're not sold yet. Right. Or you shouldn't watch this if you want to like completely avoid spoilers or whatever. Uh, introduce like a ratings board for yeah. spoilers where it's like, th- this trailer has been rated S for spoilers, HS for heavy spoilers, and but NS for no spoilers. You can't do Just that. a black screen. <laughs> now you can have a trailer for a game without spoiling things. No, 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 that's not what I mean. I mean, you can't have the rating system because in order to give that rating, they'd need the content of how much was spoiled, right. which you almost never have yep. before something comes out. It has to be a pretty egregious trailer for you to give away everything, which has happened, but it's only in situations like that where you can like confidently say, like, oh, wait, this is the entire narrative arc in the film that I'm looking at right in front of me. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm just loathing when Kingdom Hearts 3 trailers start coming out, like actual ones that aren't just teases. Yeah. Because, like, They've said in interviews, like, oh, we're going to show most of the worlds before the game comes out. And I'm like, no. Please don't God, do no, because I don't know when they're coming, and then they're going to get shared everywhere, and I'm going to, like, not be able to avoid knowing them all before the game comes out. Like, uh, yeah. I don't want it to happen. See, the biggest <laughs> issue I had was with this game, uh, they showed the T-Rex thing instantaneously, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, well, if they're going to show that in the trailer, like, what's the... Like, what's the step up? What's the even cooler thing that you take over? Uh, a, a cloud? That, <laughs> yeah, Bowser. Uh, Bowser. Is I, Bowser is, I guess, the step up. Yep. But, I don't know, I, I was, wasn't that shocked by Bowser. See, I, I, I never even thought about it. Mm-hmm. Like, I walked up to him... And then it took me a second, and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> like, it, it had the exact intended effect on me, so I was like, I, that, was, that was great. The other thing me. that we could potentially factor into this <laughs> is how necessary is it actually to create trailers to market a Mario game? I, like I said, though, there's still, like, really, like, trying to win back old fans because people have been very not into Nintendo for like 20 years now. I don't know if it's that long. Okay, like, okay, like 10 years now. Yeah. Uh, Since the Wii, I'd say, is when they lost a lot of their, like, I mean, even the GameCube didn't sell that well. That's actually a good point. Like, it's been a while since Nintendo's been, like, firmly on top. and like 20 years is more of an apt number than I thought. it's been a long time. Since the N64. Yeah. And, yeah, they're trying to, like, really push it into, like, to people who didn't own a Wii U or didn't like the Wii or, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm uh, on the note of being disappointed in your inability to possess things that are a step up from a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yeah. Pretty high bar, admittedly. Uh, I was really hoping 
I was going to be able to possess a skyscraper, like uh, like get to the top of the skyscraper with the stupid little like antenna that's always on top mm. of skyscrapers. Yeah, and then what would you do with it? And then you just like destroy things. You were just like like you just like roll. <laughs> it's just like Katamari. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like yeah, Katamari. Like Katamari. yeah, you just like that you just be, roll down the street and just like knock. That would be really around. hard to do. You can possess <laughs> meat. Ooh, yeah. What kind of meat? Uh, just like a huge, like chunk of of like rump roast. It's very strange. <laughs> it's a moon in the Luncheon Kingdom mm-hmm. that you get by gra- like just throwing your hat at a huge piece of nah, meat. I didn't even find that like, one. <laughs> but that kind of action that you're talking about, where you slowly move, mm-hmm. grinding across yeah, the ground, they'd have to have like their own like times. separate like linear area where you possessed a building and destroyed like. A well, because they have there's the the under siege. Uh, where you possess the taxi and drive to it mm. uh, is like its own little like self-contained thing where you blow up a bunch of cars. Right. <laughs> I'm not saying I wanted like Incredible Hulk <laughs> Ultimate Destruction here. I just mostly wanted the hilarity. Oh, that fucking that pull. <laughs> Thank you. I love that game, dude. Yeah, it it's a, so good. It was, a, it was a very good like long time ago. Uh, next time game. we're talking about <laughs> Incredible Hulk <laughs> Ultimate Destruction. <laughs> Yeah, I got really excited. That game was great. Yeah, anyway, like, move on. You couldn't have, like, in the main, like, level, like, be able to take over one of the buildings and, like, destroy things in the level. No, I, I don't that mean... That wouldn't work. I didn't mean destroy thematically, not destroy literally. Like, I want, I wanted to, to feel like I was just this enormous hulking mass <laughs> that you weren't that was just to scraping be. along the ground. What if... Better idea. Yeah? You d- dumb idiot. Uh, <laughs> you... <laughs> You take over a skyscraper, it goes into a cross-sectional view, and then you play elevator action inside of the building, but you're, you control the elevator. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, would even, it would have to be like one of the more open levels, like if you could like be the pyramid in the sand kingdom mm, or something. And float around. And you had to like move it to the side, and there's like something underneath of it or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, that yeah. would be cool. Like, I'd, be, I'd be fine even if I had to like obey traffic laws and stuff. I just wanted to make sure <laughs> I, could, I could have the yeah. experience of like being a huge thing and then you run into the issue of then like you move it it has to be small enough to fit between all the buildings on the it has to be able to go down all the streets mm-hmm. and then like you have to be able to pop out of it and then just leave it where it is <laughs> yeah. like that would cause all kinds well, they of they usually do just like vanish and go back to <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's true, that. but uh, we can, i think the the like jump the compromise here is that we you take control of a taco truck <laughs> and just like slowly amble down the street as a as a food stand. <laughs> Dude, food stands are always compromises. That's true. It's a compromise between do I need to eat food immediately <laughs> and does that food have to taste good or be sanitary? Mm-hmm. Bring back my classic aversion to food trucks. That everyone thinks is unfounded. It is. It is. It's very unfounded. So, yeah. We do uh, uh, want to talk about the darker side. Yes. So Now that I got my little rant out of the way. <laughs> we all got at least a rant out of the way. Um, so, way, 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 way back at the beginning of this podcast, we talked about how the game isn't particularly challenging, and they sort of gate all of the difficult stuff behind finishing the game and then re-going through it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Going through all of those more difficult challenges then unlocks a pretty difficult challenge and then completing a bunch more moons after that unlocks the granddaddy of difficult challenges in this game 
uh, which is the hidden kingdom they refer to as the darker side of the moon. Uh, Pink Floyd didn't see it coming. Uh, (laughs) And uh, what this is is basically like a gauntlet. I assume you did not play this. Uh, No, no. Okay. Uh, It it is in a a set of, I think it's like 15 different challenges. uh, And you just have to make it all the way through all of them on one life. Uh, you, I mean, you get like a heart refill midway through. And yeah, then another and there one. are some hidden hearts throughout. Yeah. But, yeah, if you die, you go back to the beginning. Right. And uh, this was like, the way that you described it to me, uh, was I basically figured that this was going to be like a total nightmare of just like crazy hard platforming challenges. And the reality is it was. You were, <laughs> you were pretty correct about it. <laughs> Uh, this took a pretty significant amount of time. Uh, I, I don't think I'm like the greatest platform game player of all time, but Jesus, uh, <laughs> the amount that they ask you to do is just crazy. Yep, it's like it's one of those video game levels where like each time you make it past the thing you were stuck on, you die immediately to the next <laughs> thing, and then you have to just like slowly work your way up till you can beat it. I had like an ascendant moment where. Uh, as I told you, uh, the goddamn forks, for some reason I could not, like, maintain control of my own body <laughs> long enough to not fling myself into a pit and die uh, on this section where you have to just jump between forks. Yeah, you had to fling yourself between forks, like, across a lava field. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was doubly bad because, like, if you go, if you get to the second fork... And then fall in the lava, there's no recovery. No. Like, you just die. Because if you fall, you, like, start bouncing, you can't throw the hat to recapture a fork, so you just bounce until you're dead, and then you start back at the fucking Goombas. Uh, (laughs) But after I got through that, I just kind of pushed through and and managed to get the rest of it without losing. Uh, But, man, oh, man, was that... That was the difficult challenge, Mm -hmm. I think, uh, that people were looking for. Yeah, this has been, like, a classic Mario thing for, like, the past several games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've had just, like, the this super hard end level. Yeah. 3D World was the last one that I... Not 3D World, but 3D Land was the first one that I played that had this. Uh, or at least that I got to it. So, mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of a new concept for me. Yeah, it's... And the uh, one of the very last things you have to do is, like, there's just, like, these swinging uh, pendulums that you have to, like, use the sparrow beak to, like, jump between. Right. That was oddly stressful to me. Like, oh, I don't yeah. know why. Like, I was, it's, like, it's not that hard at all. <laughs> but, like, you're just, like, oh. oh. <laughs> like, you're diffusing <laughs> a bomb while you're doing it. This is, like, it's so easy that you feel like you're just going to, like, fuck it up. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's tons of mechanics like that all over the place in video games. Yeah. Things where, like, you have the capacity to screw something up really badly, but it's very it's easy like not right to do right at the end. Yeah. And if you mess it up, you have to go all the way back. Yeah, I'm sure, like, one continu- like continuous go-through from the beginning till the very end of it is probably, like, close to ten minutes. It's long. Yeah, and that is and a long time. And it uses all of the transformations in the level. Well, all of the, like, primary ones. Oh, yeah, not yeah. not all of them. Yeah, like, yeah, at no point them. do you get, uh, like, become a taxi cab and, like, <laughs> drive somewhere. Yeah. Uh, Gotta do some sick ramps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, 
But yeah, it was it was pretty insane. But uh, you were talking about how if you had done the uh, festival without knowing anything about it, you may have like teared up a bit. Mm-hmm. This thing uh, basically made me feel emotional in two ways. Not One, at the end? yeah, was immense frustration at the stu- at the fireball part because I'm just shitty with those. The fireball part was pretty frustrating. Yeah, and then yeah, the end where it's just like. It's a, there's no ceremony, like, it doesn't do a whole thing. You just sort of go through a little quiet area as you spell out, thank you, <laughs> with oh. an exclamation point. And it's just like, you get to the end, you get off, and then you can choose to throw your hat on a scarecrow, which will just show you the message, thank you, <laughs> at the end. And it was just this, like, little subdued ending bit where I was like, like, that felt more sincere than I would have thought in any other game. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it was about it. Just I thought you were going to talk about the part where you jump up the size skyscraper. Oh, and Cappy talks to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was cool. But, like, no amount of character interaction in a Mario game. Well, it's not really about the character interaction. I took it more as, like, he was speaking to me. Right, like yeah. Like a player. It felt good to walk a mile on mm-hmm. your head. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, because you come out of that challenge and you're back out on the moon and you go up to a skyscraper and you turn to a frog. So frog physics on the moon. Mm-hmm. You jump ludicrously high in the air. Right. And you go up it and Cappy talks to you and it's all sentimental. And then you climb all the way to the top and then... You get a multi-moon. Multi-moon. <laughs> of course you do. But no, I don't know. The like having Cappy talk to Mario, which is talking to you, mm-hmm. uh, was a nice touch, and I think that probably did it for a lot of people. But for some reason, just the fact that like there there is no artifice that could possibly be put over a thank you message out in the middle of space, where you're just like obviously the developers of the game were like, here's just a thanks for playing our game. <laughs> I was just like, this is just great. Because, like, Mario game developers aren't, like, striking out to make, like, we're going to, this is the next big thing. It's like, no, it's already the big thing. It's a Mario game. (laughs) And there's also the fact that, like, I think Nintendo has always been bothered that the 3D Mario games don't sell as well as the 2D ones. Right. Which is why, like, Mario's had weird growing pains in the last 10 years, where they tried to merge 2D and 3D and mm-hmm. just made everybody mad. <laughs> uh, I really liked those games. I, I like 3D World as well, but like you know when they announced that, everyone was like, why isn't this just like a, a 3D Mario game? Right. But, um, and I think, yeah, that feels really sincere because they're like, if, and everyone who plays this and makes it to the end, they're really like grateful for it, that mm-hmm. people actually like played the whole thing. In before everyone goes like, hey, Nintendo fanboys, they're still a corporation, they're greedy, <laughs> they want your money. Uh, oops! <laughs> so they got us! I had a good time, though. Uh, <laughs> so if that's your nick, I want your money. Right. That's universal. That's true. Remember a couple episodes ago? I was like, put $5 in an envelope, send it to us? <laughs> still do that. I'm greedy. Do we have final thoughts? <laughs> Uh, JJ, of course, is the one I'm most interested in hearing Final Thousand from. (laughs) I'm curious why. But, uh, yeah, as I already stated uh, ages ago now, probably my favorite 3D platformer ever, uh, polished to, like, a diamond sheen 
overcame a lot of skepticism I had over the theming and tone initially, and I kind of can't believe how much different stuff they managed to shove into this package. Like, this game just seemingly seems to never run out of things to do, which is not something I associate with 3D platformers normally. I'm super happy that I'm played it, super happy that you guys let me borrow it so I didn't have to have like a huge buy-in up front and be real nervous about it. See? Greedy. Greedy, mm. exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and I, I'm skeptical uh, that things can get much better than this in the, in the 3D platformer space for me. Uh, my final thoughts are as you would expect. Uh, I loved this game. Um, it's the follow-up to Mario 64 I've wanted since I was like seven. Uh, and uh, yeah, I just am slightly disappointed that I watched the trailer before I played it. But that's not the game's fault. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, any problems I have are just nitpicks, really. So and self-evident at this point. Uh, I don't know. This is uh, a Nintendo-designed 3D platformer in 2017, and I think that uh, despite what people either are saying, have said, or will eventually say about this game. Uh, in reviews and video essays and podcasts and all that shit. This is, as you put it, kind of, this is about as good as a 3D platformer gets. Uh, For now, anyway. Yeah, like, at a, in a, at a holistic yeah. standpoint. Until the Oculus Rift comes out <laughs> and changes <laughs> is everything. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, like, really, like the 2.0 really, one. When, when it, it comes out. When it takes control of everything and we're all only playing video games in Oculus Rift. Right, we, it will take over the world and we'll be playing video games even when we think we're just asleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, you never think you're asleep. <laughs> Shower thoughts. Uh, what I mean to say is, from a holistic standpoint, uh, this game pretty much hits all of the major things the 3D platformer is supposed to do, and hits them with like a, a with the level of polish that you expect from uh, literally the biggest video game franchise of all time, uh, and for good reason. So I don't know. It just makes me. Uh, it makes me glad that uh, the Switch did as well as it as it has because it makes something like this more possible in the future. Mm-hmm. And 2017 has been pretty good to us as far as AAA games go. And uh, like coming after a time when I thought AAA games were just going to be bad forever. Yeah. Uh, so let's hope that it keeps up. Yeah, I think it's good for the whole industry if Nintendo's like more. Uh, popular again because like you have to imagine like the success of a game like this like no one else is making things like this that's true so it might make other AAA developers <laughs> consider doing other things yeah no AAA developers are making things like this yeah like, that's what I meant Hat in Time almost like coincided with Mario Odyssey yeah, yeah really unfortunately, unfortunately for that game yeah because <laughs> uh, I really wanted to play that and yeah. probably won't until like next year or something because <laughs> Mario Odyssey uh Scratch that itch. Yeah, so it's good. here. Yeah. <laughs> uh. But yeah, I and I'd also think that this game kind of proves that three platformers can still be relevant. Yeah, this is, it. It's not as dead as we once thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for listening to No Clip this week. What are we talking about next time? 
Next time, uh, we're going to be talking about the Cat Lady. We're getting into the winter doldrums of the year, so we're going to talk about a game that is ostensibly about depression. Uh, <laughs> until that time, you can get a hold of us. Uh, all of our contact information is at noclippodcast.com. Uh, list some of our old episodes while you're there. Uh, they're pretty fucking good. Uh, <laughs> give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Recommend us on Overcast. Just like maybe... Tell a guy. Give us yeah. your money, your Leave time, comment, your life, you, whatever, all the good shit. Imbue us uh, into what you are. Make us a part of you. <laughs> uh, like put a hat. Yeah, put, throw let a us hat or a, hat a no clip branded <laughs> ball cap. Throw <laughs> 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 it on someone's head, mm-hmm. and then be like, "Why? Can I just I hear these three dudes talking." <laughs> And it's somebody a, help. <laughs> it turns out the hat was just headphones, actually. Right. Yeah. That's the big, that's the trick. Yeah, all headphones are really ours. Mm. Anyway, thanks. <laughs> <laughs>